Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We've been talking about a potential Trump indictment. We had a Democratic perspective. We've had a Republican perspective. And now let's get a D.C. perspective. We have from Raw Story, Editor-in-Chief Dave Leventhal. Dave, I always make sure I don't screw that up because uh, you guys are kind enough to tweet these out to your almost 230,000 followers. <laughs> well, thanks very much, and we appreciate that, too. Uh, Dave, obviously it's been the talk since the former president uh, truthed it out uh, last weekend about his uh, indictment. Did not happen this week, but what are these uh, rumors and the you know uh, grand jury voting or whatever it's called? What's this leading to in Washington? Yeah, so I mean they're operating on their own time schedule, and uh, Donald Trump, of course, had truth that uh, it was going to happen last Tuesday, and there was all indications pointing to at least last week the ultimate indictment coming down. But of course, that did not come to pass. So here we are going into this week with basically a, a, a rewind or a replay, if you will, of the same kind of drama going forward. So we expect that something could happen potentially as soon as Monday, but there's no guarantee. Don't don't place your bets, in, in other words. But this does seem inevitable right now. Uh, surprisingly, uh, former Governor Andrew Cuomo says, uh, you know, that this is political um, and kind of was saying he was against Alvin Bragg uh, bringing this uh, charge. Are there any other Democrats that in Washington are echoing that, but maybe not as loudly as the former governor? Not so much. I mean, Democrats have, have kind of been keeping relatively quiet and just waiting for this to happen. I mean, honestly, there's not much for them to gain by cheerleading indictments. And this is coming at a time, too, where there's three other active criminal investigations that are afoot regarding Donald Trump, the one in Fulton County, Georgia, related to accusations that Donald Trump tampered with the results of the 2020 election. We've got the Mar-a-Lago classified document situation that's being investigated by uh, special counsel in, in here in D.C. And then, of course, we have the events of January 6th and the role that Donald Trump played during the events of that day and the attack on the U.S. Capitol. So all of these are happening Simultaneously, it looks as if the Manhattan DA is first in line in terms of something actually real coming down. But those other ones aren't going to go away, and Democrats are just uh, happy, really, at this point, mostly to stand pat. Now, Andrew Cuomo has his own thing going on. Okay, he's trying to uh, trying to warm his way back into the political uh, arena after having resigned as governor in a most uh, unceremoniously unceremonial type of fashion. So. He, he's got his own agenda here, and uh, most Democrats have, have kind of put him uh, off the island and uh, are, are not too concerned about what he's saying or doing. Uh, you know, obviously, with all this talk, it is putting a focus on 2024, Dave. And the former president has been attacking Ron DeSantis, it seems, every time he talks. And, you know, his uh, followers on Twitter are doing the same thing uh, in D.C., with the Republicans, uh, is there any talk of people wishing the former president hadn't done that, rooting Ron DeSantis to finally get into this race? Has there been any talk of that as the spotlight on 2024 uh, gets hotter? 
Yeah, I, I've talked to several of my Republican sources in the past week and kind of put the same similar version of that question to them. And sort of the general idea that I'm getting from Republican operatives here in D.C. is that, look, uh, none of the other candidates, including Ron DeSantis, really need to be hasty in determining whether they are ultimately going to get into this race or not get into the presidential race. It's only March right now. They could enter in April, May, June, July, and still have plenty of time to raise plenty of money and do all the things that you need to do to run a successful presidential campaign starting next year when the primaries and the caucuses begin. Nikki Haley, of course, has gotten into the race, a former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador under Donald Trump's administration. But Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and then you got several governors and senators, Chris Sununu, Tim Scott, Glenn Youngkin, Christy Noem. I mean, the list goes on and on as to those who might potentially jump into the race. So we are looking at a Republican primary here that is likely going to feature several, if not, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten candidates. And, and most of them just seem to be pleased for now to let this process with Donald Trump play out when it comes to indictments, see where that all lands. And it's just pure politics, Joe, that you want to get in when somebody is who, who's at the top of the heap, Donald Trump, who is the odds-on leading candidate at this point. That's pretty undisputable. And, and get in when he's weakened, uh, when, when he's in a point of peril. And he is now, but he will be more so later if he, in fact, is indicted, at least in one venue, if not multiple venues. Now, that's on the Republican side, Dave. On the Democratic side, Joe Bi- President Joe Biden has not said yet if he's going to run for re-election or, or not. Dave, do you feel that there is this not-so-loud but maybe popular within Democrats' beliefs that Joe Biden's done his job by winning in 2020. Maybe it's time for someone else to run in 2024. I do, and there are there are definitely Democrats who would prefer that Joe Biden not run for a second term. That he would end his first term, he would end it with strength and give a tailwind to whoever else became the Democratic nominee, whether that was Kamala Harris, the current vice president. Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, or any of a number of other Democrats who conceivably could run a a reasonably uh, solid campaign going into 2024. But this is up to Joe Biden. And so far, he's indicated himself, he's indicated through First Lady Jill Biden, that he is going to run again. Now, that doesn't mean that 100 percent he will. Life can happen. He might have a medical issue. He could change his mind. I mean, These things are all still in the offing, and he's biding his time as well and not being hasty to make an announcement, because ultimately when he makes an announcement, the conversation will change immediately. And everything is going to be about, well, Joe Biden is running for re-election, and and what does that mean? He's going to have to start campaigning, and and he's the president of the United States already, so it's not like he needs name recognition. It's not as if he has to introduce himself to the body politic. He's already done that, and that's the sort of great advantage that comes with any incumbent is not having to worry about doing all of those things in your uh, second run for president like you would in your first run, even if you are Joe Biden during his first run where he was the former vice president and a political entity for the better part of half a century. He still had to introduce himself to people in a presidential context in a way that he uh, tried two times before back in 1988 and 
2008, but with uh, very minimal success, at least at that point in time. Dave, in Washington, it's difficult to find things that both uh, Democrats and Republicans can agree on. Uh, But we did see the TikTok CEO address Congress, and it seems like Democrats and Republicans have very similar views when it comes to TikTok. Yeah, but mostly. And and there are definitely some outliers and some Democrats in particular who are like, no, 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 we don't want to quash TikTok and it's going to hurt creativity and young people. And that that is an opinion out there. But uh, there, I think, is some degree of unanimity, Joe. You're right that Republicans and Democrats are very skeptical about China's role in all of this. And seeing TikTok as sort of a, a vector or a vehicle for China to buy on Americans or or gather American data and, and use it for nefarious purposes. And our relationship with China, of course, is very fraught. It's very complex. We rely on each other considerably for the economic ties that we have, but there are the concerns about privacy and about, obviously, military issues and China's relationship with Russia versus our relationship with uh, other forces that would love to see Russia uh, squashed in in their own right uh, as they wage war on Ukraine. So there's this swirl of geopolitical considerations that are at play right now. And, And TikTok became a very curious focal point. And, it, you know, if you're a Buffalonian, uh, you, you might, you know, have never heard about this, but you might remember former Buffalo Bills offensive lineman Derek Dockery, okay, digging, digging deep into the Bills archives here. He's actually a, a prominent lobbyist for TikTok. And I, I think one might say uh, one, one of the strongest lobbyists uh, in a physical sense, uh, if nothing else. Uh, he's up on Capitol Hill a lot. And he's somebody who is in the mix, along with dozens of others who are working on behalf of TikTok to really make sure that the government doesn't put forth any rule, any regulation, any law that would limit TikTok from doing business in the United States in a way that would be detrimental to their business. I think one thing in closing that Democrats and Republicans are kind of angling for is that ByteDance, which is the company, that Chinese company that owns TikTok, would in essence uh, wall off a like an, an American subsidiary of TikTok that would be based here in the United States, uh, where the data pipeline would not be going back to Beijing. It would be staying in Austin or Boston or wherever else it ultimately set up shop. Dave, you know we can't uh, focus on Congress without me asking, what's going on with Representative George Santos this week? Well, you know, with everything happening with Donald Trump, uh, he actually took a backseat, which is saying a lot, given uh, the amount of time that we've spent talking about and reading about and, and thinking about George Santos. But it really, in a way, it's, it's kind of status quo here, at least in the United States. He is in, he's saying he's going to stay put. He's not going to resign. He's going to go forward from all indications uh, with a reelection bid. He at least filed paperwork to do so. Doesn't mean, again, that he will ultimately stand for reelection, but he's at least setting the groundwork. But In Brazil, where he has also had legal troubles, Uh, he, in in essence, is reaching a deal uh, with officials there to acknowledge that uh, he had been involved in some wrongdoing. So, you know, is that going to have any effect on his ability to serve in Congress? No, not immediately. But he's under investigation by U.S. officials. He's under investigation intramurally by the House Ethics Committee which does actually have the power to sanction, reprimand, censure, even remove a member of Congress. And something like that happening in Brazil is probably not going to bode all that well, Joe, for 
for George Santos's uh, future political prospects. But again, just to underline, he is not in any immediate, immediate danger of being removed from Congress. Dave, you've probably never thought that on this show I would use comedian Jimmy Norton as a question. But one of my favorite comedians, Jim Norton, uh, says, you know, there's members of Congress that viciously go after each other and, you know, hard right, hard left. But at the end of the day, they're the exact same person. You wrote a story for Raw Story about similarities for Marjorie Taylor Greene and Ro Khanna that they, they do share a common interest. Yeah, I mean, that's about as far left and as far right as you're you're going to get. And to, to put them in the same sentence, or in our case, the same headline, uh, was a bit of a head-scratcher and eye-opener for some people uh, who, who responded and, and wrote in. But what we're reporting at Raw Story is that both of them have personal investments, or in the case of Rokana, his family does, in ConocoPhillips. It's an oil company. Now, why do we care about ConocoPhillips? Well, because the Biden administration just approved a project for ConocoPhillips to drill on federal land in Alaska. Highly controversial, not very popular among many Democrats, especially those who are very environmentally inclined, but uh, a big win for business that uh, his had a curious relationship, I think uh, we can say at minimum, with Joe Biden, but Joe Biden doing something that was very much, uh, I, I think also we can say moderate, uh, it, at least on the political spectrum, when it comes to making a decision that uh, is going to, to be favorable uh, to the business uh, community uh, at a time, too, when he's constantly talking about climate change and, and global warming. And, and this is something, again, that environmentalists were aghast at and couldn't believe that he did and fought actively against. But the issue of uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Rokana owning stock and having personal investments in ConocoPhillips, they're not alone. There's several others that we found in Congress who also, too, have personal financial interests in this particular company and vis-a-vis that have a personal financial interest in the decision that government was making. This is one little example or, you know, maybe more than little example of something that I've been writing about for a long time, which is that there are dozens and dozens of lawmakers, Republicans and Democrats, who have personal stock holdings in companies that basically do business with government or are affected profoundly by the decisions of government, including Congress itself. So it's a huge conflict of interest issue. There are some lawmakers, Joe, who would love to see Congress ban its own lawmakers from trading individual stocks. And this all comes at a time, too, when many of them are violating current laws that affect this by failing to properly disclose the fact that they are making these trades and oftentimes are days, weeks, even months, and in a few cases, years late in disclosing hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars worth of trades that they're making. The the public basically has no insight uh, into that. And by law, they're supposed to within uh, just 45 days of any trade being made. Dave, obviously, I have so much more to ask, but we are running out of time. So I'm going to ask something that I saw on your on your Twitter. Actually, I had to go back and find it because I wanted to make sure that it was you that I saw post this. Uh, Is there a a Wegmans that you can now buy an apartment on top of? (laughs) So I I was uh, was walking through the streets of D.C. as I am wont to do. And yes, uh, there's a Wegmans that has just gone in recently uh, on Wisconsin Avenue here right in the District of Columbia. And they are building apartments on top of it. So I, I immediately texted a few of my Buffalonian friends who live in the D.C. area and said, hey, guys, if, if you're looking to move a little bit closer to downtown, uh, check this out now. You know, they're pretty nice apartments, but 
not something you can afford, and you are a big Wegmans fan. I mean, this, this is about as close to Shangri-La as I think you can get. <laughs> well, I, I have a feeling that if I had to buy one of those uh, apartments, I might not be getting as many subs from the Market Cafe. <laughs> but but you wouldn't have to you, know, you wouldn't have to get in your car and travel. You That's know, true. You'd save a little bit on gas, if nothing else. That's true. Well, hey, Dave, I, I miss our Tuesday morning uh, pre-air conversations, but I'm glad we were able to catch up this morning. Hey, better to have them on air than anything else. Jim. That's right. But we will be looking forward to hearing from you at 6:50 a.m. with Susan Rose and Brian Mazarowski, Dave Leventhal, editor in chief from Raw Story. As always, Dave, great talking with you. My pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 